0: I am Alex Altshuler, the owner of Sealit Group. We specialize in ceiling and restoration and landscape construction. I am a hardscaper.
1: What's happening, Hardscapers? This is episode 198 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. In today's episode, we have Alex from Seal Group joining us for another I am a Hardskeeper episode, where we do a deep dive into his story, his business here. And I wanna say a big thank you to our sponsors, cycle CPA. If you need bookkeeping, accounting, or CFO services, reach out to them, cycle underscore CPA on Instagram, or check them out, cyclecpa.com. Let them know how to hardscape sent you for $200 off their services there. And when it comes to needing a system in place in your business to take care of things like budgeting, estimating, job costing, and so much more, we've got the How to Hardscape headquarters and we're going to be expanding this out to include a lot of really cool things. Our members only platform with installation courses will be rolled over into this software where you can assign those employees in your business courses on installation if you want to onboard them and have them set up for success on that first day or if you want to train one of your laborers to become an installer and not to mention the automation that comes with the software itself everything from generating automated purchase orders for your vendors through to sending proposals out to clients and customizing those proposals to your business having them digitally sign it and send it back to you. And we'll be talking more about the How to Hardscape headquarters throughout this year on the How to Hardscape podcast here. But if you wanna get started there, we have free onboarding if you sign up in the month of March here. So shoot me a message at How to Hardscape or just go to members.howtohardscape.com and learn more about the software there and book your demo as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Alex from Seal it Group. Awesome, Alex. Let's get to know a little bit about you yourself, how you got started in the industry. Can you give our audience a little bit of a, a
0: background about your beginnings in this industry? Definitely, definitely, Michael. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, man. Um, yeah, I, uh, I actually started off in 2016 um, as a driveway ceiling company, working different summer jobs for different landscapers and driveway ceiling companies. And started off with uh, basically sealing driveways and lawn care. This was about 2016. Um, and like a few years later, we started, sort of shifted the focus to sealing um, and restoration and landscape construction. So we saw a real demand in the market for these types of services, having been in the sealing industry from day one. Uh, but we realized that we really needed to step up our game uh, to create, um, you know, a service that would be sort of a niche in the industry. So we focused primarily and heavily in the beginning on sealing and restoration work. So restoring old pavers to new, uh, new polymeric sand installation, sealing, applying sealer on mostly paving stones. And we still kept asphalt sealing and driveway sealing. And then a couple of years later, about 2019, 2020, uh, we saw a huge demand for landscape design and build and construction uh, because we would be doing sealing jobs and. Many clients would ask us, well, can you guys install a patio? Can you guys re-level our walkway for us? And uh, we found the, the demand was growing. And so we, we introduced that division uh, a few years back uh, to design and build. Um, so right now we have the two divisions, which is the ceiling restoration division, which specializes in, in the ceiling, um, restoration, polymeric sand, um, and also the construction landscape construction divisions.
1: Absolutely. I I love the business model. It's exactly the way I started. Uh a little bit less on the ceiling side, more on the the lift and relay. So I always love talking to people that that share the same sort of uh business model in that. Uh lots of questions for you from this uh What was, why, why start with the ceiling maintenance route? Was there like a clear reason why? I know you touched on a little bit of like in that niche and and really uh, honing in on that, but any more reasons in terms of you're going to go this route, the maintenance route, as opposed to jumping headfirst into like big design build spaces?
0: Yeah, very good question, man. Well, honestly, uh, you know, not coming from a landscape background, um, obviously, you know, I had very minimal experience with the construction side. And, uh, you know, that, that's why I, I, it it was easier for me, for me to, 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 to kind of focus on a, on a side of the business where I had more experience in, such as the ceiling, um, and, and everything like that. Um, so I, I think I, I can kind of relate to your story where, where, you know, the the way I actually got into the construction was also by doing lift and railies and kind of most of, most of it is self-taught and, you know, learning from, you know, um, different videos and then obviously working with, with 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 guys on site and uh meeting people along the way that were, we're able to do jobs together so it was it was kind of like uh learning as as, as, as as I went right and uh, so I also started off with the with the with the paver relay as I said lifting and relaying learning how to grade learning how to level and then eventually that led into the bigger large-scale stuff like the patios and the walkways and you know so. That's kind of that's kind of how it all came to be, is that uh, you know we we got in with what we were good at and what we were you know we' good at the time, and then we expanded to you know what we knew there was a market for um, and 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 but at the same time, uh, being able to to learn as well as we go. So that's uh, be, it wouldn't have been possible basically to go in full fledged because we didn't have the experience with it uh, for the construction side. Uh, and obviously we weren't we weren't reputable yet. We weren't uh we, weren't, we our brand wasn't recognized yet. It wasn't uh, strong, right? So uh, it all kind of happened in, in a good timeline where uh, everything was you know we had the, we had the ceiling restoration to begin with that was able to grow uh, with the brand. And by the time the brand was strong, you know we were able to learn a lot of the construction side of it and introduce that kind of in a in a good time in our business that people would actually you know want to want to buy our products and services right because we were already known we had a good good client base we had you know good reviews we had a good reputation online um so i i think it was it was well timed in that regard uh, rather than trying to jump in right away not knowing not having the experience not knowing you know how to price jobs so that's kind of how we got in I love that.
1: I, I think it's such yeah. like a great business model to get started in. Like th- I tell people who reach out that uh, they're thinking about getting into it, you know, start start small to make sure that you like it, right? And especially if you don't exactly. have like that building experience, you're gonna learn so much in those lift and relays getting started, exactly. as well as like low overhead, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I have to agree. Like in the beginning, obviously. Yeah, you don't you don't have the capital to be able to invest in machinery and things like that, right? Because your business is just fresh off the ground, you're more focused on you know getting jobs. So you're kind of taking any job you can get just to build that reputation. And uh, you know, I'm sure we've all been there, especially with the lift and relays. You price it out. You know, I don't know what the going rate nowadays is eight to ten dollars a square foot. I think now it's more. But you know, you take a job and you think, oh yeah, you know, we'll smash through this and. A day, it ends up taking two, three days because one of your guys doesn't show up or whatever. And then, you know, when you learn and then then from there you build and you build and eventually you you learn more and then you start investing and and then that's how you get to the bigger jobs, right? So I I love how you said start small and build your way up, right? Because that's, that's, I think,
1: that's the way to go. And you mentioned, yeah, building your reputation through that, which is is great because you know you're gonna have more clients and you're gonna get word word of mouth through that. In those early stages of getting leads, when you're just starting your business, where where does where do you start to get jobs from? Like, what are you doing to get those initial jobs when you're just starting out your business in in that ceiling and, and maintenance space?
0: Great question, man. Honestly, uh, in in the beginning, for for me. Uh, I was very fortunate because having worked for driveway ceiling companies, uh, aeration companies, uh, most of our sales and work was all done door-to-door. So I got trained on door-to-door sales of services that you would be able to do on the spot. So uh, I was fortunate enough to already come into my business with a pretty good sales experience. And you know, when I started out as driveway ceiling and you know, basic lawn care services, I followed that same model of door-to-door. So, you know, I bought a machine, I bought, you know, uh, whatever I needed to start off with, very basic setup, and I was able to just go door-to-door with that confidence that, you know, I would sell and close whatever I had to, to then reinvest and and, and actually be able to become a brand where I wouldn't need to go door-to-door for sales. So I probably did door-to-door sales for a good one to two years, possibly even like three years. Uh, but one to two years for sure was really, really heavy door-to-door sales, and then you know just just doing good work, you know, connecting with people, uh, you know, giving out cards, and in 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 the middle of all that, and at the same time, you're you're building your brand. You have that mindset that you're going to become big. You're you're you know you're, you're you're constantly improving yourself, and you know eventually you obviously you register your business, and you know you get a HomeStars account. So HomeStars has been great because that's able to to build your reputation online with you know verified reviews um and obviously then you get a website and you know so people start to get to know you uh, you build your reviews and then you know you start getting leads from these sources like home stars and everything like that so i would say by third fourth season you know we were probably at about 20 to 30 reviews on home stars and we were getting good leads now finally so home stars was a was a, was a big thing for, for me to get the leads from there. Um, and then, you know, and then word of mouth started at the same time because you're, you know, you're building that client base. Um, and then, and then you know, and then Instagram getting that probably 2019, 2020, starting that page was, was a big thing too, right? Because just being able to, I mean, Instagram is your portfolio. it's your uh, It's your brand recognition. It's where people go to verify that you are who you are. And uh, you know that's what that's where they're gonna get the idea. Are we gonna hire this company or not because they're able to verify that the brand is real to, and and everything like that. They're able to see your work. And so that's been huge in growing the brand because we're able to showcase our work um, and obviously people are able to 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 verify everything, right? So so basically, it's, yeah, it's going back to kind of starting small, you know and and growing, right? Yeah. So, that's that's kind of that's kind of how how
1: it went, yeah. Alex, I'm I'm a little curious about the uh door to door sales, to be honest, because uh, yeah. I I did that once, and right. you have to be really good with accepting rejection, right? Uh, 100%. can you can you give our audience, especially those maybe just starting out and wanting to start with door to door sales, can you give them like a few tips of how you get over that rejection, how you uh go about trying to sell somebody that you just knocked on their door and, and are just trying to build that rapport immediately, essentially any, any tips in terms of door to door sales?
0: Honestly, if, 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 if I was to give one good tip, it would be just have your script down, packed, memorize at the back of your head and know that there's thousands of houses out there, or if not millions of houses out there and one rejection shouldn't make you or break you type of thing. You know, you, you got to, you got to focus on on the volume. If if you're looking to start off with door to door, it's it's about consistency, like any kind of sales process, right? It's it's constantly, um, it's not not fearing the rejection, having that script down packed, and realizing that, you know, there's there's always going to be another opportunity. I mean, if you if you're if you, if you know anything about door to door sales, obviously you're you know you're you're probably knocking on hundreds of doors a day so you're it's probably it's it's normal to get at least you know maybe 20 30 rejections and the rest of them won't answer the door and then you'll probably close at least five to 10 deals right so um it's about having that growth mindset that you know you're going to come you know the the, the good opportunity is going to come come along your way as long as you're consistent and and, and you know you're, you're 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 believing in what you're selling is very important too if you if you give that vibe that you know you're here to do a good job you know, and and obviously you're um, you're consistent. People will believe in that. They'll they'll read that off you, and 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 they'll give you the business, right? So, um, I feel like rejection should drive you. It should drive you to to do better, um, because not everybody's gonna want to buy what you're selling, right? Because you're you're coming out kind of out of the blue. No one's expecting you there, so. You know, some people might just say, you know, I wasn't expecting you to get the heck out of here and that's totally fine. You just know that there's always gonna be that opportunity. There's always gonna be that next door where you can present yourself and someone someone will end up believing in you, someone will you know, so know that there's always more opportunity ahead and don't don't let it encourage you. Let the rejections encourage you rather than you know, you gotta be you gotta be hungry, you gotta you gotta set a goal for the day. You know, I had a goal, for example, I wanna set I wanna sell at least a day in aeration on a Saturday or, you know, $1,500 a day in driveway ceiling. So that meant, you know, $300 per driveway. That's five driveways or $200 per driveway, you know, 10 driveways or eight driveways to make that per day. So have a goal. And I think that'll, that'll help you get rid of those, get past those rejections. Um, because, you're sticking to your goal and you're hustling and you're you're just going harder and you're, you're not letting anything kind of get in your way
1: yeah absolutely i love that uh yeah it, it didn't work out for me door to door personally <laughs> i i guess it, it got to me but uh where, where are your leads coming from nowadays in your business as you you know where where you are now with a couple of different crews a couple of sort of different divisions doing different things um yeah, where, where are those leads, do you find, are, are coming now?
0: Right now, um, it's it's definitely quite quite a mix. Um, I would say the majority of the leads are coming from the online presence. So, Homestars would be a big one still. Um, not as good as it was, to be honest, uh, a few years ago, because I think ever since COVID, um, with the amount of saturation in the market, so many companies have opened up during COVID, Uh, Homestars has become obviously as well saturated. So with, with different contractors, so leads aren't as good, but they're still relatively consistent. Right. So we're able to get them from there. Uh, Instagram has been huge. Um, being able to work with other contractors, um, that, you know, might want to sub you out some work or, uh, you know, maybe they're too busy so they, they can refer you a client. Um, so that's been, that's been a big one as well. um, Paid ads as well on Instagram has been great, um, you know, not always the best leads, um, but that's where pre-qualification comes in, right, so that's, that's been big as well, and I mean, word of mouth is getting a lot better now as well, because now that we're, you know, getting more and more established every year, um, you know, we're, we're finding that uh, word of mouth is, is doing, doing well as well now, uh, we're, we're able to get, well, those are the most qualified leads, obviously. Um, yeah. Because you know, there's there's no tire kicking or you know haggling for price because they've seen your work. It's verifiable, and you know the trust is there from the beginning. So that that gets that that's been getting better and better every year. Um, but yeah, so it's it's basically like a mix. It's a, it's a good mix of of different platforms. But I would say the top ones would be HomeStars, Instagram, and. Word of mouth, as well as just being noticed, you know, we, we put signs up uh, when we're in doing a project as well. So that's, that's actually another good one is when we're doing, say, an install, we put up our sign and we're, you know, we're, we're making it known that we're in the neighborhood. And those those I find are, are very good leads because they're much more qualified and higher quality leads um, so because, you know, neighborhoods, neighbors trust neighbors. So obviously, I think that avenue is one of the best ones. Um, so putting up signs is key. You get dog walkers and neighbors noticing you and branding all your trucks. so that's that's a big one um, you know, being noticed obviously in neighborhoods. so yeah, those would be probably the top the top uh, platforms.
1: I just want to take a break from today's episode to talk about our sponsor, Cycle CPA. You may have a CRM or project management software in place, but what data are you using to ensure your estimating is accurate? Having a proper accounting setup and accurate bookkeeping done is key to understanding overhead expenses and other costs that must be recouped in your estimates. Cycle CPA is a remote bookkeeping and CFO firm that helps to connect the dots from the financial reports to the hardscape and landscape data needed in order to reach high profits. They provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA's team of accountants are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry, and you can visit them at CycleCPA.com, and for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode right and then when it comes to a lead reaching out to you whether that's like through phone email text, wherever however they may be contacting you where do you take that conversation there you mentioned pre-qualification in that last one uh what kind of questions are you asking them or where um where do you take that next step as soon as they contact you
0: yeah so as soon as they contact us um basically we're, we we start that pre-qualification process so you know we're we're what we've done recently is we've implemented like a, a template where it's it's basically like a questionnaire that I developed where it basically asks the client for all their project details. First of all, it thanks them for reaching out and for asking for an estimate and you know that we're you know excited for the possibility to to you know work with them and provide them with a quote. And then it gets into you know, the specifics of their job and, and you know, and request them to, to provide more details on their job. You know, what kind of job is it? What's the size of the job? What's the scope of work? Uh, you know, how did they hear about us? Um, you know, pictures of the job so we can really get a visual understanding of their job. What's their budget like? So so we, we created that template. We send it out to them by email. And, you know, they they reply with all that information. And then we're able to analyze all of that and look at it. And, and determine whether or not it's, it's a job that will fit our, uh, our model and our uh, criteria, right? So we have job minimums, obviously. Um, we have you know, specific types of jobs that we prefer doing. You know, there's gotta be access for machinery. It's gotta be you know, a, a, a job that's obviously gonna fit our model, like I said. So um, that's kind of how, how, we, how we work that process. Uh, we mm-hmm. found it very, uh, very effective. Um. To to be able to, um, make sure that you're you're only going out to estimate the most qualified leads, and therefore not wasting your precious time. You only have so many hours in a season. You have to meet those targets. So, you know, time is money. You got to make sure that you're going out to the most qualified leads, and that's where this pre-qualification process comes in.
1: Nice and uh, we we talked about this just before we started the interview, but uh, what does your business look like right now in terms of uh, crews and what type of work they are doing those uh, different crews?
0: We have the two divisions uh, we have the landscape construction and the desire or the uh, ceiling restoration so those are our two main divisions, two main crews so crew number one ceiling and restoration um you know they're doing everything from, Restoring old pavers, so restoring say 25 year old pavers that have weeds um, and making them look brand new. So power washing all the weeds, the dirt, the moss out of the joints, um, applying brand new polymeric sand, tamping it down, watering, activating the sand and then applying a sealer uh, onto the stone. So making it look brand new. Um, Natural stone sealing as well, concrete sealing. So everything to do with exterior sealing and restoration of exterior hardscape surfaces. Um, and then the landscape construction division, we do um, kind of mid-sized mid mid-size jobs where um, we do like, you know, full backyards, um, front entrance jobs, uh, patios, walkways, porch overlays, lighting. Um, so everything sort of but pools uh, is what we kind of specialize in. So retaining walls, features, um, that's kind of, Our our specializations
1: gotcha and then going from the lead process to going ahead and scheduling a consultation uh, do you charge for consultations and uh, why or why not
0: yeah so that's that's something that uh, it's kind of a a very controversial topic I think a lot of companies are struggling with should we charge should we not and I've kind of been in the same boat for the last couple of years and I actually tried out last year to start charging for estimates because obviously it's a lot of time. It's a lot of yeah. time that goes into these estimates. And a lot of time it's it's overlooked and, and you underestimate of course how much you're gonna spend on that. Like you think you're you're gonna go out, it's gonna be an hour meeting, it's probably gonna take you an hour to come up with the estimates, or so two hours, but by the time all said and done, maybe it takes you four hours. And you didn't charge for that extra two hours. So so you think, okay, well, maybe I can I can charge for estimates and, and, and compensate. So last year I tried to implement a, I think it was a 250 or $300 estimate fee, which as part of that pre-qualification process I was talking about earlier, where it's the email we send out, asking with all the job details and pictures, we, we notify them that there will be that $300 estimate fee for coming out you know, and consulting with them, and then, but if they end up doing the job, we waive that fee. Um, and to be honest with you, the response, uh, last year was, wasn't good at all. Like, uh, okay. most, most people, most people were not really, not really for it. They were, they were kind of caught off guard and, and, you know, they, 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 they weren't really about it. So we found that a lot of leads were lost, uh, in the beginning, um, with with people just kind of replying, well, this is not really what we were expecting. So you know, they. I mean, they at that point they're thinking, well, why why am I going to pay three hundred dollars when I can just find a company that's giving free estimates, right? So it's 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 a very it's it's a hard kind of thing to to try and understand it. Is it worth it or not? Because I mean, it, I think it really depends as well on your business model. So long story short, I, I got rid of that, and you know, I just kind of. Had to, had to go with the free estimate uh, as, as, as always. Um, and with that, obviously just strengthening up the pre-qualification process to ensure that when you're going to site, you're, you know, you're not, you're not wasting as much time. So uh, you're as efficient and productive as possible. I've,
1: I've heard a lot of different ways about going about the consultation rate. I, I don't charge a consultation rate. Uh, I don't think my, Brand is where I want it to be to a point where, you know, it's it makes sense to charge, I guess, a consultation rate based on that. Um, maybe sometime in the future. I just yeah, I, I try to work it into my overhead personally to uh, make sure I'm getting recouped on that time anyways, uh, which would be similar nice. to like charging it and then reimbursing it if they go ahead with you. Right. So uh, lots that's of different a, ways that people cool can model. go about
0: it. Yeah, that's a really cool model, actually. um to be basically, it's it's kind of like it 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 appears to the client that it's a free estimate, but you're making sure that you're compensated for it. It's built into your overhead, and that way you're getting paid for your time, but they don't really have to know that, right? Exactly. So it's, you're not losing out. You're making you know every every hour of your time back. Yeah. Um, that's that's amazing. So how do exactly do you do that? Do you put it into your overhead as a like an estimated amount of hours that you think you would spend yeah i just i
1: just year? go off of like my salary and i look at how many jobs i quoted last year and i figure out like an average of how long it took me for that so then i've got like nice. the amount of hours and then uh, i just add in a little bit uh, of that versus like what i would get paid essentially for that time so it's not nice. like an hour amount it's a dollar amount that i put into my overhead beautiful i love that yeah. That's just uh, for now, that's the way I'm doing it. Maybe in the future we'll get into doing consultation rates, but uh, who knows? I-, I figure the pushback would be very similar to what you got there uh, when I s- start doing that. So trying to kick that can down the road as much as possible here. But uh, for sure. yeah, in the con- so you- you're you going you've scheduled a consultation with a client. Um, what kind of questions are you asking them to to know, say, say you're doing like a backyard install, and uh, what kind of questions are you asking them, or what are you going through in that initial consultation to understand, you know, the scope of work and what kind of features they may want in that project and everything that you will include into
0: it. Yeah, great question. I mean, um, generally going to the consultation, uh, we'll already have like a pretty good understanding of what it is that uh, that we're quoting on, so. During the during, during the meeting, our, our main focus is to to understand you know exactly the type of design that they want because that's where we really get heavily into the design part. you know, are they wanting a modern design, a traditional design? you know, what's sort of the their overall vision for their for their backyard? Um, and obviously, you, you know we, we, we look at the project with them, uh, we discuss you know what what their needs are, you know what's their vision. And uh, we start chatting about uh, different different options for their design. Um, so, you know, we, we can show them our gallery as well on our website to give them ideas of the type of work we've done and the type of work that we would recommend for them to be, to be done based on, you know, modern designs and everything like that. So educating them as well on, you know, the quality of the products that we're using, the quality of the install that they're going to get with us, um, you know, walking them through, every step of that process that they're going to be getting um, making them feel comfortable that you know they're they're going to be hiring the best contractor to do their job so talking everything from installation methods to design to just really understanding their vision and and making them feel comfortable that we're going to be able to bring their vision to life and uh, you know that they're going into like a good relationship with their contractors so um yeah that's that's pretty pretty much it right like Obviously, we take our measurements, we draw it out to do a a quick 2D drawing so that you can then put that into a design software or uh, whatever the case is to continue that process.
1: Yeah. And then when it comes to signing up the project and you are – um, what what are your schedule of payments look like? Uh, like upfront this percentage at some point in the job, this percentage, and at the end of the job, this percentage, what does that look like for you? Especially on say like smaller jobs, like ceiling jobs versus those larger jobs. How does that change? And, and what do you do for those?
0: Great question. So yeah, for the ceiling jobs, small jobs, um, we like to, so to start off with, we, I always like to take at least a 10% deposit just to book a date. So you know, that just shows, you know, that the client is serious. You know, they're going to do their job. They're not going to back out last minute. And then it doesn't conflict with our schedules. And it ensures that, you know, we're forecasting, we're able to meet targets and we're, you know, we, we could see how our season's going. So that's, that's a big one. 10% off the bat just to set a date. <clears throat> and just before we start the job, we normally take another 40%. So that, that equals to 50% upfront just before starting the job. And then the final, Excuse me. The final 50% is upon job completion, uh, upon reviewing the job together with the client, making sure they're 100% satisfied. Um, we take that final 50%. Um, now, this is for, you know, small to medium jobs. Um, yeah. Large construction jobs will take progress payments. So, you know, we'll do the 10%, then we'll do the 40% before we start. And then, you know, depending on, how it's going? We might ask for another twenty or thirty, and then it'll be like a fifteen percent holdback. But that's only for you know larger jobs, say over 40, 50 k, where we need to continue, um, you know, meeting our uh, our running costs and, and and covering our costs. But for anything generally under that, it's it's pretty much uh, what I explained earlier with with the kind of 50-50. And then. Um, uh
1: doesn't have to be related, but sometimes for people answer this next question with some sort of payment struggle. But uh, this next question for you, Alex, is a horror story that you've had in business. Uh, It's difficult to be in business for any length of time without having one maybe small horror story. But the reason why I ask this is to help those contractors just getting started or thinking about getting into it. Just let them know, hey, this could happen to you. Uh, you can maybe pre- prevent it by doing this, but at least prepare yourselves that this is something that could happen to you. So, Alex, my question to you, do you have a horror story that you'd want to share with us?
0: Yeah, definitely. There's, there's probably a lot of horror stories. Um, but one that kind of sticks sticks out like a sore thumb, if you will, is um, kind of at the very beginning of when I started out, at the, be- at the time, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I bought the vehicle that I can afford. So it was a 2001 GMC Safari. I think I paid $1,500 for the vehicle. So, I mean, what can you get for 1500 Obviously, complete, rusted out, kind of box on wheels, we'll call it, um, where, you know, I just kind of slapped the driveway ceiling unit in the back, ripped the seats out, put everything I had to put into it in, and I was towing a little trailer 4 by 8 with all our lawnmowers on it, and I remember getting on the highway, and obviously, you know, no CVR, no registrations, no yellow stickers. You didn't know about any of that yet. This is humble beginnings, we'll call it. So, um, you're uh, I'm driving down the highway, and I start to notice uh, like a real good wobble on the front end there. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, well, some, something's definitely wrong, right? So I'm like, ah, oh, it's it's okay. It's an old truck. It's got three hundred thousand. It's normal, right? Um, so I keep driving and driving and driving. And I'm thinking it's gonna get better. I'm thinking it's gonna get better. Turns out it's getting worse. It's getting worse. but i I didn't have time to pull over. I had I think I the time I had to go meet somebody to pick up a machine or something I was looking to buy. and there was a meeting I had to get done. so um, long story short, i uh, I end up, you know, getting a getting a flat tire. and so it ended up being a tire that was going bad or whatever. I ended up getting this flat tire. And, you know, I can't remember if I was on the highway or off the road. I think I, I just ended up making it to a client's house. And, you know, I, I have this flat tire, a trailer on there, a driveway ceiling unit in the back. And, you know, I'm like, well, I have to get this fixed. I have a bunch of other calls today I got to do. Um, so, you know, the first thing you do, you look under the car to for your spare tire. So I remember... You know, taking the spare tire off and, uh, you know, it was probably the most dinkiest, you know, spare tire you'd ever seen in your life. It was, you know, the, the donut spare tire. And for the Safari, it's obviously larger, but it's still skinny, almost like a bicycle tire. And it's completely rusted out. It, you can see the tread on it is worn out. It, it, it needs, to, it, like, it, it shouldn't even be on that truck. Um, and uh, I end up calling CAA and because I didn't have a jack to do it or any tools. And I basically called them in. And I let the guy know who comes to to change the tire. Like this is the tire. And he looks at me, he says, Are you crazy? You're not putting this tire on. I go, I, I basically was begging him at the time. He said, No, I'm not putting it on. Like there's no way. I'm like, Well, look, I I don't have any other option. Like I, I have to I have to keep going, right? Like I, I'm literally just going maybe five kilometers away to a, a Mr. Lube just to get a new tire and then and then be on my way. And you know, he he gave in eventually because uh, he understood. He felt my pain. He understood that you know I just I'm, I'm trying to trying to keep going. And so, but yeah, it was it was like just overwhelming this whole process. So he ended up putting it on, and I ended up going to the nearest tire shop, getting the, the new tire put on, and, and on my way. <clears throat> but yeah, it was just an overwhelming uh, an overwhelming experience. Just you know, obviously you're driving on on the road, your tires wobbling. You, like you don't know if that thing's gonna fall off. You're just all these thoughts are going through your head. Am I gonna make it? Is this thing gonna, you know, just give up on me? Am I am I gonna be able to to, to, to keep running my business with this with this crappy truck and, yeah, yeah. And you get these moments where there's just you know just just really kind of how do you call it downtime do or die? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even do do, do, do or die kind of life That's or better. death situations. Yeah, right. Like where you're where you're you're just like you're you're running on fumes and and, and there's. You, you, you're improvising, uh, you know, you're, it's, it's, yeah. So that, that was, it was scary stuff. Just, just having to go through all that and, and, you know, but eventually I got a truck and, uh, I got a used truck and, you know, and more horror stories came after that, but those were maybe a little bit better than that one. Um, cause you know, you, you realize that planning ahead is key. Having everything set up is key. Um, but sometimes you just got to do what you, what you got to do. So yeah, like scary experience, you know, but, um, like I said, uh, you got to start somewhere and you got to do what you got to do. So absolutely. Yeah. No,
1: that's that's a great horror story to share. And like, I can empathize with that. I've had my share of flat tires when I was just starting out too. And, uh, also dealing with say CAA
0: and, uh, <laughs> that's never a fun time. <laughs> I remember, I remember, uh, just, just constantly also driving this, this setup, um, it, just just praying that, you know, CV or uh, MTO doesn't pull me over. I remember, you know, seeing an MTO truck and, you know, as soon as they see this van in this trailer, I remember they get right behind me and I'm like looking in my mirror. Oh, they're going to pull me over. They're going to pull me over. And, you know, at the time you're probably not registered or whatever. And, you know, you're just, it looks like you're kind of a, just a, independent contractor maybe even like a homeowner so you know the guy probably followed me for quite a bit but then he obviously realized that there's no there's no sense pulling me over because you know i was within probably weight ranges it's just that you know he probably wouldn't be able to get anything really right yeah but it's like it's like it makes it makes you kind of cringe it's like is he gonna pull me over is you know what's gonna happen kind of thing so yeah interesting stuff
1: Especially in those early days. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. turning turning the page on those horror stories there, um, any, any tools or equipment, uh, Alex, that you live by in your business, whether you started out with them right away and you love them or you've implemented them recently, uh, can be anything related to uh, tools, equipment in the office, in the field, anything that you've implemented into your business that uh, you love and really stand by?
0: Yeah, man. Honestly, the last couple of years, um, I've really been investing into the tools and equipment. Um, the one major machine I would call for hardscape, it would be, in my opinion, if you're starting out, it's it's your like it's your gold machine. It's it's going to be your real money maker. Is uh, like a mini skid steer. Um, so. I uh, I was fortunate to get um, to get into the market at the end of 2020 um, with uh, with the Bobcat MT 100 uh, when the prices were still relatively okay um, and you know I think I waited I ordered it in December got it in March you know and now you want to order one of those you're waiting at least a year six months to a year and the prices have gone up by like 15 grand. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's, it's probably the most versatile machine you can get starting out. It'll, it'll dig your patio. It will bring your gravel in. It'll lift your stone. It'll do whatever it has to do. Um, as an entry <clears throat> level machine that can do everything, I think it's probably the best machine you can get starting out. So that's been our, uh, favorite machine. And, you know, most of our guys on our crew love it, um, cause it's super versatile. It could do everything. Um, so that's, that's one thing I swear by for, for hardscape is, you know, if you're running a hardscape business, no matter what size, um, uh, you know, you're going to have your larger skid steers, smaller skid steers, but every hardscape crew, smaller, large needs uh, a mini skid steer, tight access, um, you know, versatility, it's, it's, it's the best of its kind. <clears throat> so there's the, the Bobcat MT-100, um, has been a game changer and also last year, we ended up getting a IQ saw. So the IQ saw has been also an absolute game changer. Um, Just being able to be completely dust free, you know, um, having, you know, perfect cuts, which which you would never get. uh, You're saving, you know, you're saving your back and the learning curve is is much, much less, right? So you're able to train new hires how to cut way easier. than, than you know trying trying to teach them how to use a regular quick cut um, uh, and uh, yeah like I said obviously your, your cuts come out hundred percent versus maybe 70 80 and, and that's visible on a, on, a, on a job especially I would say where, where the IQ saw comes in the most handiest is on the porch overlay jobs where you can really see the, like a two two caps joined together on a corner or a miter cut those those are those that's where the iq saw will be um probably the best because it will get the cut so perfect that you, you in some cases you won't even see the cut that's how good it is because the joint is so good that it's like was that even cut and then you, you look close wow so whereas with the you know with the quick cut you'll always there's always that that margin of error that vibrate that you know the shaking the you know not being completely 90 um so, yeah, that's been huge. And even just being able to, to not have dust on job sites, you know, you know how many neighbors come and complain, oh, there's dust on my car, and you're blowing it off. And, you know, and then you look at actually how much dust comes out of that. Yeah. It makes you realize, like, you you would have been breathing that in otherwise, right, as well. So there's the safety aspect of it, you know. So you're, you're saving your lungs. You're saving um, the neighborhood from dust all over people's houses and cars. You're having clean cuts. It Honestly, best one of the best investments and tools I've made, uh, for my business. So I'd highly recommend anybody getting started or, you know, growing their business. Um, get, get that saw. That'll, that'll change the way you look at, uh, uh, getting your hardscape jobs done.
1: Hey, do you have a budget set for 2023? Are you starting the estimating process with a budget in place to ensure that you are recovering your overhead expenses, labor, material costs, profit, and other hidden expenses within your business? Do you know that you're making profit on certain projects throughout the year? If you're struggling with any of these things, then the How to Hardscape headquarters can help you this year. Check it out at members.howtohardscape.com or shoot me a message at howtohardscape on Instagram. This software will streamline processes in your business. It's going to help you budget, estimate, ensure that you are making profit on projects throughout the year and help you adjust throughout the year. We're also going to be continuously improving this software to include more and more features as well as the content that's already available to members right now if you're looking to train your employees as they come in. So once again, members.howtohardscape.com, the price will continuously go up as more features and as more content is offered over there. So there's never a bad time to get signed up with that. And with that being said, let's get back to the episode. Absolutely. And I'm just going to backtrack really quickly for this question here, Alex. I've been trying to ask this more and more um, in terms of sending a proposal or a quote to a client, do you, how do you um, you know break up the job? Do you just send a one price for the entire project? Do you do work areas where you send prices for different work areas, or do you do line item where everything is listed and
0: there's a price for all that? How how are your proposals kind of structured? Great question. It it really depends on the type of job um, and whether or not the client actually wants a breakdown. So. You know, if it's, for example, just just a patio and steps for the backyard, that would just be one price for that job. Um, But if there's a lot more scope and if the client wants some extras where they might want to see what something costs on top of an existing project, for example, lighting or uh, like an add-on, right? Or or like a a feature or a fire pit or something they want to add on, then we would itemize it. So they can understand how much it would cost extra. Um, So generally speaking, uh, if they don't want to see those extra costs or to understand what something costs extra, uh, we'll just put it all as one price. Um, And then, and then, yeah, we'll only do the line items if they request it so they can understand how much extra it will cost them. Um, Yeah. so, So sometimes you'll, you'll give the one price though. And the client might come back and say, well, can you, can you break everything down for me, what everything costs? Right? So that <clears throat> that sometimes gets tricky because you know, when you factored in, say, how many ever hours is for that job, you you might not you, you might not be able to itemize it in such a way that you'll then be profitable if they only end up going for two or three of the services. So I find that because of that, uh, I, I I like I just give them one price for the job unless they request extras.
1: Anybody on this podcast that you'd want to give a shout-out to in terms of uh, they've helped you along the way in business or you look to them for inspiration or just anything in general, online, offline, anybody that you want to give a shout-out to here too?
0: Honestly, I, I have to give a shout-out to everybody, man. Everybody that's uh, doing their thing and on their grind, hustling. Because... You know we're all here to help each other but if if there's a few people that stand out um paver king landscape daddy and uh uh how to hardscape your guys' podcast is amazing um yeah the 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 no value uh, all those uh, you know just to keep us sane and keep us uh kind of you know you know not not always too serious right like that's i think that's you guys are doing great with that. With that podcast is going awesome. Um, so, so kudos to you guys for keeping everybody in a, in a good mind state and the healthy, positive vibes. Um, also just, just mentors, uh, yourself, Michael, your, your, your podcast, your resources online have been huge. Uh, they've been a huge help for me and my business. And, you know, as I'm growing and trying to realize, uh, that, You know, growth growth comes with uh, the right systems. It comes with the right processes in place, and you're always building that. And as you continue running your business, you start analyzing it from, you know, a a different perspective always, and you're always trying to figure out how how are you going to make yourself more profitable? How are you going to be able to step out as an owner-operator to just the owner? Um, You know, and that's only going to come with systems which you constantly have to be working on, right? But they've got to be systems that are... um, you know, easy to implement, easier. Um, and you know, I think you've you've got a great an amazing tool and lots of tools actually online with your with your um you know with your budgeting and your videos and your certificates uh for for uh, installers. So many resources I think that, that can help businesses grow. Um so that's that's been a, a game changer as well. Uh implementing the budgeting uh spreadsheet and and now the app coming up, um uh, really excited for that. I, I appreciate, yeah, the
1: the shout out there, and uh, I know the well, Not Our cool. Finest Hour guys, uh, Landscape Daddy and uh, Paper King, myself included. Really, uh, really appreciate the listeners t- tuning into that podcast. So I did want to give
0: one more shout out to um, one of our suppliers, ProDrop. Drop. Uh, they've been actually a game changer. They've been a game changer for our industry and how we do business. Um, so ProJop is an online supplier of uh, landscape products. So everything from interlock pavers to gravel aggregates, and uh, they 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 their business model is being able to bring you as a contractor your building materials on demand. Um, so you know we're able to order online. Say we need three yards of uh, granular a gravel or two yards of H P B. You know they can guarantee it there within one to three hours, no matter what time of day you order it. Right. So I can go in the app. Uh, or on their website, I can place an order, say, at 1 in the afternoon, maybe I'm short, instead of sending one of my guys out to grab it or, um, you know, being delayed on the job for whatever reason because I'm not able to get it, I can quickly go in the app, order the product, it's there within two hours on demand. So that's been a big changer for us, a game changer, uh, in the sense that, you know, we've been able to, to increase some pr- profit margin there because, you um, you know, we're not spending time picking up and delivering our own materials. Um, so the, and they're, they're able to bring it to us on demand. So uh, I highly recommend trying them out if anybody's, uh, you know, looking to, to bring their business to the next level um, to save yourself a lot of overhead and running costs from, you know, being on the road, your reliability uh, by being on the road, there's more risk, there's more time that you should be spending on your job site, focusing on running your crew and making sure you you know, you're productive and you're meeting those budgets rather than being on the road grabbing materials. So they've been a huge game changer for us. Um, once again, that's Pro Drop, ProDrop, Pro Drop. You can find them on Instagram and uh, Facebook. I, yeah, they, that's
1: a really interesting business model. I, I think, did they start out as like Load Army, that app, and then sold to somebody and then ProDrop or something like that? I, I used them a couple of years ago as the, when they were Load Army, I think.
0: I am not sure of exactly their uh, their beginnings and how they got started, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, you're you're right. There's there's similar businesses out there, kind of right. like uh, rental run and all these different kinds of uh, uh, on demand gotcha. building suppliers. So I think they they might have um, kind of you know gone off that that kind of model um, where you know it's, it's it's catering to to like an on demand type of. Uh, service right an on-demand kind of uh, approach to, to doing business where you know there's an app it's it's quick right you don't have to call in and wait to speak to somebody and place an order and give them your credit card number it's just like right away quick on an app it's there they guarantee it kind of thing right so cool. i think in, in this day and age with the technology we have at our we should be using it to our advantage so i, I think uh great business model i mean we've, we've been loving it and um so they're growing they're growing good and um yeah, I think anybody should anybody should just try them out and they won't be disappointed.
1: Alex, this has been such a great interview. I have one last exactly. question to close things off here, man. Uh, and it's a big one. So I want to ask you, what's that one thing you know now in your business that you wish you knew from the very beginning? Could be personal related, can be business related, but what's that one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the very beginning?
0: That's a, that's a hard question to answer because I, I think the easiest way to answer would be like, I wish I knew everything that I didn't know kind of thing, right? But if there's kind of one thing, I, I would say have a plan. Have a proper plan when you're going into something big. I mean, we, we don't always plan that we're, we're going to get big, right? So Some of us just get into things. Like I, I got into this business not looking to take it big. I was just like, well, I'll try it out and see how it goes, right? And um, But looking back, I think – Regardless of you know whether you're looking to take it big or not, um, always always have a plan for you know at least a few years ahead of how you're going to do things. So visualize where you're going to be, and you know, like if I was to do it again, I would definitely have you know tried to get a little bit more business knowledge and business understanding um, to have the right systems in place from the beginning of opening up my company. So. So that it stream streamlines the growth a little bit more and makes it easier to run the company, um, because the 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 business the, the systems and the processes, like I said before, are so key. And a lot of us that start businesses not coming from business backgrounds, which is probably most hardscapers. Um, we, uh, we 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 don't realize that in the beginning. We only realize it when you know we're working those eighty hour weeks. We're working those. 100-hour weeks, whatever it is, and, you know, we're so burnt out and we're like, well, something's wrong here. What's wrong? Um, we don't have a plan. We don't have the systems. So I think if I was to do it all over again, I would have had those from the beginning and basically, you know, just been able to, to be a lot more successful, I think, we're at uh, this point, right? So, but the resources are there. They're out there, right? Um, I think, uh, yeah. So
1: Awesome. Yeah, yes. Alex, this has been a, a great uh, conversation. I really appreciate your time here. Where can our audience go find out more about you, what you got going on? Where can they find
0: out more about your business? So we're, uh, we're seal it group on Instagram, SealitGroup.ca. it um, Yeah. Check us out. Follow us. Check out our work, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for your time
1: thank you for listening to today's podcast episode check out alex at sealit group on instagram there and once again if you're on instagram already doing that cycle underscore cpa let them know how to hardscape sent you for bookkeeping accounting cfo services and you'll get 200 dollars off their services there and the how to hardscape headquarters this is the last month to get in on free onboarding with this software so head on over to hardscape.com there and book your demo or just shoot me a message at how to hardscape on Instagram, and we look forward to meeting you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.